We've got a new episode of Swings and Mishes on deck with a lot happening this week with the Miami Marlins. The holidays are coming, and that means it is car buying season. And those of you who are looking to purchase a pre-owned vehicle, I want to encourage you to go to this website, happycarsflorida.com, or go visit the inventory there at 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale, 33315. The phone number is 954-745-9599. You've heard me talk about Happy Cars Florida, now all 2019, and the deals that they have going on right now are unbelievable. And better yet, if you want to buy any kind of car for you or your loved one, call Louie at 954-745-9599. And say that you heard about this on the Swings and Mishes podcast and that Craig sent you directly. He will get you into any car that you want. Louis is unbelievable. He's been involved in car buying and car selling for over two decades here in South Florida. And he can get you exactly what you want. I've been buying cars directly from Louis as well. So you can trust him and head on over there. He does all the financing in-house. Whether or not you have good credit, bad credit, or even no credit whatsoever, He will take care of you. Again, financing done on the site there. 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale. That is happycarsflorida.com. Make sure you give them a call. 954-745-9599. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome back to another episode of Swings and Mishes. Here, day two recap of the winter meetings and a heck of a lot more action uh, going on in day two out in San Diego uh, with Craig Mish joining me. I'm Jeremy Taché, the producer of Swings and Mishes. And Craig, I, we're reacting uh, pretty quickly here to Garrett Cole signing a record-breaking contract uh, with the New York Yankees, a record-breaking contract for a pitcher, nine years, $324 million, an average annual value of $36 million per year, which the reports are, that will be paid at $36 million per year. Garrico leaves Houston and the Astros to move on to the evil empire, the New York Yankees. Uh, and Craig, I'm just wondering your thoughts and reaction to that Cole contract. Like everybody else, I'm blown away. It's, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you to, to kind of, you know, tail it back and bring it back to the Marlins for a second. And, and I know that in the past, the Marlins, you know, gave Stanton that contract for, um, you know, $300 million or $30 million a year, whatever it was. But it, it really, it makes you think, and again, um, Yankees are in a different spot, obviously, with the revenue that they generate and, um, and the payroll flexibility that they have to do these sort of things. And that doesn't take anything away from them, and they should do this. This is what teams that are in those high markets, uh, you know, should be doing. The Red Sox did it with Price. Uh, the Yankees did it with Cole. Strasburg got it with Washington now. Right. Um, I'm hearing that Anthony Rendon is going to be pushing 300 million too. Oh so, so yeah, that's what I'm hearing. So I will say this: the Marlins are not in that position to be able to do that, and they really shouldn't be. They're not playing in that kind of market, and that's why the Stan contract could have, had they not been able to move that, could have really derailed the franchise, which they don't get enough credit for moving that deal. Mm-hmm. And this is why it really makes you think with all of these prospects the Marlins have, if this works, that it is the way to go. <laughs> right. I mean, it, I mean, it really is. You know, now you kind of understand why drafting and developing these kids 
in a market where, I mean, even in a best case scenario, let's say the Marlins average 15,000 fans a night, which they're not, or 20, and not what they are, they're not going to be able to have that kind of revenue to sustain. Could they sign somebody eventually to a $150, $200 million contract? Maybe. I mean, maybe. I don't, I don't know that they will, but maybe, let's say. They're never giving anybody $300 million, Jeremy. Never. Right. That, is, that is not – well, uh, under this regime, that is not happening. Mm. And so this is why those comp picks and those draft picks and, and people are cynical about it and they look at the Marlins, oh, you know, what, are they going to spend money? What are they going to do? And I know that they're in a tough spot now because of not having the TV contract and, um, you know, kind of being in the third year of, of trying to turn this back around. But that's where I tie it in today is thinking mm. – Garrett Cole, three hundred million. The Marlins could get eight players for that, you know. <laughs> right. Like, you know, and and um, you know, holding JJ Blade for six years, and and Cameron Meisner for all these years, and Jesus Sanchez for all these years upcoming, and Edward Cabrera and Sixto Sanchez, like. Right. And, and again, out of all those guys, maybe only half of them work, which is probably enough because then you can fill in the pieces with some of these free agents that are of the mid or lower tier. But I just don't ever envision a day where this kind of contract is given to anybody in Miami. And so it, it is a mind-blowing experience to see um, this kind of money given out. And thank goodness, by the way, that this happened now and not in February. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, and not, nothing to do with the Marlins, if you're a baseball fan, this was needed so badly. Uh, the last couple days of having Strasburg sign and Cole sign – and, um, you know, a couple of other players have signed as well. I've been to the last two winter meetings in Orlando and Las Vegas. And, and don't get me wrong. It's great to see all the baseball executives. It's great to see people in the industry. Um, and, and, you know, being who I am in the industry, of course it's cool. But I want action like fans do, yeah. like everybody else. I mean, I became a baseball, uh, you know, host and podcaster and, and, and doing what we do, Jeremy. Because like you, um, you know, I played when I was younger and I'm a fan of the game. And so right. I want to I see action. I want to see these things happening. So a very big thumbs up to the 2019 winter meetings for sure. Even if nothing else happens, the best player in baseball as a free agent signed his contract in December. That is great for the game. I think Rendon will get done too. That's the second best. Strasburg already got done. And that's what the winner should be. That's where we should be. I'm here in San Diego. We should have the best players signed. This should be the time where it gets done. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I don't know, Jeremy, right. you want to add anything to this with the Yankees? I mean, if they're well, not the favorite at this point. Like, yeah, well, I think that that's a big part of it. Well, I, when you look at what just happened in the last two days with Strasburg signing seven years, $245 billion, Cole, nine years, $324 million. That's nearly $600 million committed to two pitchers over the next, you know, seven and nine years, right? And I think, like you mentioned, I think that's the thing that we take away from today um, that I think many people, including yourself, including myself, within sort of the baseball media, right? We're maybe in two different realms of it, but uh, within baseball media, and, and coverage and, and fans of the game should be excited that these players are signing right now, that the action is happening now, that, that owners are out there willing to spend the money on the great players. Um, and when you do look at the, at the Yankees and Garrett Cole, you know, one thing that's funny, you mentioned the Marlins and, and needing to develop young guys and, and control them at a certain value and, you know, hope that maybe later down the line there's other contracts to sign, but you're sort of filling in the blanks. Garrett Cole 
and Giancarlo Stanton will make a combined $62 million this upcoming season. The Marlins opening day roster last year was $62.9 million. Like these are very, these are totally different ends of the spectrum. And so when you do look at the Marlins build and you look at the way that, like you just mentioned, some of those names in Sanchez and Chisholm and then Cabrera and and Sixto Sanchez. Yeah, I forgot Chisholm's name. Right. I mean, these are guys that, that, you know, you've, they've traded for, um, you know, all of, not all of those guys, but, but so many of these prospects that we talk about are guys that have been traded for. And then there's a number of them, like you mentioned in Blade and Meisner and, and you know, Peyton Burdick, even guys that have been drafted that maybe become a part of that future. And when you can control them at a certain value, I, I've made the comparison to you before. I don't know if I've done it on the podcast, but it's sort of like in the NFL when a team hits on a quarterback on a rookie contract and can really build the rest of the team around that and thus aren't paying these absorbent amounts of money. Like, you know, you can compare Cole and Stanton and their contracts and they're great, great, great players. But if you can be paying JJ Blade cents on the dollar to produce, even if it is sort of cents on the dollar to what Stanton will, these are the types of things you have to do as, as the Marlins franchise and as a number of other franchises around this game, around Major League Baseball. Yeah. That's what makes baseball so interesting. And they're going to have to sign some of these guys to $100, $200 million extensions. Absolutely. I'm not saying that they're not going. They're going to have to do that mm-hmm. and, and invest in the fan base by showing that, too. The time is not for that, but that right. will have to happen. Absolutely. And, and, and also, I know that there are – look, I, I – I really believe strongly in in my ability to call it fairly. And and there is no guarantee that everything that's happening right now is going to work. I mean, I am, Mm. I'm not guaranteeing that. I'm just saying that the process is correct. Like this is the the way that they got to go because they're not getting, they're not signing anybody to this kind of money. Right. And, And I mean, and think about the angels and the position that they're in, like, you know, they they were willing probably I'm guessing to give close to three hundred million. Right, they're like Marlins. begging to give out hundreds of millions. Yeah, and, and, and still and, can't afford these guys. And, and Miami's never going to do that, and Tampa Bay is never going to do that. There's just some markets that are not. So you got to be smarter, mm-hmm. and you got to do it more wisely until the fan base fully buys back in and and does what what the Marlins hope they uh, that the fans will do, which is you know reinvest their money in season tickets and start coming to the ballpark more. But that's that's kind of my take from the Miami point of view, right? Which is that that contract will never will, will you will never see that kind of contract happen with the Marlins. I mean, even like for example, the name that we've talked about before, um, Francisco Lindor, like in, mm. in pie in the sky kind of thing, where if they were able to unload and get him, um, man, what is Francisco Lindor worth? I mean, is he worth three hundred million? I mean, he may be. And that makes me think like Miami doesn't have a shot at it right. signing him to a long term deal either. So I look at I don't know what the threshold is. Uh, you know, I know right now it's not that because they'll have to wait for the T V contract to come in and see what that is. But if if you said, Hey, give me the over under in the next five years of the most money that the Marlins would dedicate to an individual player, five years. I don't. I mean, I could not go over 150 million dollars. I could not do that. I I, just, I yeah. don't think that they would commit that kind of money to any player. And and um, that's just the the nature that we're in. So, goodbye the Yankees. Hey, right. the, the, the rich get richer. 
Oh, and gosh. they didn't even wait to trade half either. Huh? Didn't even yeah, matter. Right. Huh? Just figure that out. Seventeen million with him. Nah, it's just man, wild. It's just seventeen it's million. Wild. We'll figure it out. Well, and when you are the Yankees and you're that type of brand, I mean, it, it is crazy when you really think about it. When Gregorius was gone just earlier, you know, a few hours earlier before that, and it was, oh, you know, does that mean Cole's coming? And who knows? But when you are the Yankees, you just made the Astros worse, and you made yourself a heck of a lot better. Uh, and you can only hope that, that Garrett Cole does hold up just uh, any baseball fan, whether you're a Red Sox fan who hates the Yankees, no matter what, you want Garrett Cole to hold up and, and live up to this this contract of $36 million per season over the next nine years. I mean, that's just a number that I mean, better, better luck ago, for him. Better luck for him than I think with um, with Strasburg. With Strasburg would be like 40 years old making this right. kind of – I mean, Cole will too, but I, I – yeah. It's a, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty crazy number. But, um, you know, what, one thing we've talked about, that the Marlins, you know, the Marlins aren't going to be signing a guy like Eric Cole to this type of contract. They aren't going to be, uh, especially this season, necessarily big spenders. One thing that, that we've discussed here on the podcast and actually on swingsandmissions.com as well is the concept of, of trading for, for bats or even arms, but trading for bats to improve the roster using some of those prospects we just talked about, not necessarily those specific names, but using some of the guys in the farm system to net a more established bat. And uh, your reporting yesterday um, was that the Marlins were interested in Nomar Mazzara, but that the asking price was just a bit too high. Uh, And ultimately um, getting buried underneath the Garrett Cole news right around the same time was that Nomar Mazzara was traded to the Chicago White Sox uh, for their class A outfielder, Steel Walker. Um, so could you break down a little bit of what went down here uh, between the Marlins and the Rangers and, and how the Marlins ultimately did not end up landing Nomar Mazar? Yeah, I, the, I think that these two teams previously uh, talked about Mazar as early as last year at the, uh, at the trade deadline, but their ask was certainly very high. Um, there, there, there is obviously a little bit of a disconnect uh, for me here with this because um, you know, Miami was very uh, clearly in on this player, but only at a discount. And so, um, you know, John Daniels, who I'm guessing was in you know, the direct negotiations uh, with the Marlins and, and Michael Hill, um, you know, asked for uh, Sandy Alcantara in this deal uh, hmm. for, for Nomar Mazzara. And once uh, the Marlins basically said no to that, which of course they should, uh, the, they went back to the Chicago White Sox and accepted a deal with a 2018 second round for a 2018 second round pick and steal Walker, who, uh, you know, candidly, I don't know a ton about. I did have a conversation earlier in the night last night with someone who was not even very particularly high on steel Walker either. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised to hear that. But apparently um, the Rangers are. Um, Jeremy, this feels like they're just dumping the player. I got to tell right. you, it, it doesn't feel like they really got a ton back for him. And I do wonder why, um, why Miami wasn't really reapproached in some sort of, you know, alternative deal here, but I, I guess they were not. And, and my guess is, is that, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Rangers at this point, they just like this kid Walker so much that they wanted to do the deal. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe this is the kind of thing like where some people shook their heads when Miami got jazz chism for Zach Mm Gallen, 
Um, you know, everyone's like, why'd they do that? Well, the, you know, the Marlins love Jazz Chisholm. You know, they were the ones who, who initiated that deal. And so we'll have to see how that works out. But they were the ones that were the initiators there. And here, the Texas Rangers clearly were the initiators to get a deal done. Mazzara goes to the White Sox. That fills somewhat of a, a corner outfield position. I would have thought he was a good fit. You're right. On swings and misses, we identified him clearly. Right. As a player that we thought that the Marlins could be in on along with David Peralta. I don't know if Miami goes now back to David Peralta. I think what we've learned, though, for sure, is the notion that Miami's attempt to add another bat is definitely in play for a trade. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no question about that at this point, and we can't dismiss that. So whether it's free agency or trade, um, you know, that is a possibility. And you know, we've mentioned other players before. Um, Avistel Garcia is still out there. Corey Dickerson is too. The Marlins have not made him an offer. I know that. Um, so, um, you know, kind of back to the drawing board, so to speak. But the sense I get is that there's the, the Marlins are not disappointed at all with this. They, they would have loved to have him for nothing, um, but they did not get him for nothing. And they were not going to give up their all-star pitcher who was as good in the second half as any pitcher really uh, in the National League. Uh, Sandy was fantastic. So that was never going to happen. Right. To have to give up on one spectrum, Sandy Alcantara on the other spectrum, Steel Walker. It seems like there's some sort of disconnect there. I will say Steel Walker, Texas Ranger does work out pretty well, but <laughs> right, uh, it, it, it does work. Uh, maybe, and maybe that's the whole reasoning behind it. You know what? We got we got marketing there. Um, I, yeah, the, I, other, the other thing that I mentioned this on Twitter last night, too, mm -hmm. and, and I want to jump in there uh, in on this three, four years ago, Jeremy. Mm hmm. There's a chance this deal gets done for Sandy Alcantara. Right. You know, the, the, uh, the, right. This, is, this is the kind of stuff that used to happen with the Marlins. It's late at night. It's, you know, they're, you know all of a sudden the owner gets this, this thing, this, you know, rush, and I want to do the deal. We got to do it. We got to get it done. Give me Chen. You know, like this is, this is how it happens. Right. And so uh, it's a new day for sure. You know, it's a new day for sure with the Marlins because you can't, you can't give in to temptation to, and make a bad deal. They did it with Luis Castillo and, and, and trading him to the Reds, and you saw how that worked out. So, um, you know, perhaps, as I said, that, you know, these, the, the Marlins executives are, are being asked to do a job, and, and they're being allowed to do the job. Now, certainly uh, Derek Jeter, the CEO of the team, can veto, override, and do anything that he wants. Um, but in this particular case, these, these – individuals with the Marlins have a voice hmm. and and your voice gets heard and then they make this uh, decision and and clearly the decision was not to do this deal but again if this was 2013 14 you know Jared Cozart style like right you know right. That, this could have easily happened easily right. it, it, it's almost like it uh it reminds me of and, and obviously you're a fantasy sports guy uh, as your main show is fntsy radio <laughs> but it, it reminds you of, like sitting around with your friends and and you're all just kind of sitting around near a trade deadline of, of fantasy football and just trying to come up with the craziest trades possible and you know what yeah that guy's underperforming sure why not i'll give you this player for that player screw it it, that sort of feels like the, the old mentality. So it is nice to at least see a little bit of restraint in this uh, scenario and one that would have just been mind-blowing uh, had it actually gone the other way. Um, but, you know, you just mentioned Derek Jeter. We talked about the Yankees off the top. Uh, and it's another Yankee-Marlin connection in our interview here uh, at the end of our episode of Swings and Mishes. So, Craig, do you want to explain to the folks uh, who this interview is with and, and what sort of uh, they can expect here at uh, the back half of our Swings and Mishes episode. 
Yeah, I always love to bring you interviews that haven't been done before. And, you know, I was searching around to see if, 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 um, if Hottie Rod had done an, uh, an interview. And so uh, my apologies to, to anybody if he, uh, if he has done an interview with anybody in the local or national media since joining the Marlins. I, I can't find one. Um, so I was thrilled um, to have the opportunity to speak to him. Uh, Hottie Rod comes over from the New York Yankees, like a lot of others have, right. as the uh, director of professional scouting. And to give you an idea as to what that is, this is basically controlling the eyes and ears of what the Marlins do outside of this you know, little bubble uh, in the Major League team and at Marlins Park. This is finding out uh, you know, the players on, on other teams and seeing potential trade targets and evaluations. And, um, you know, Hottie Rod, I think that in the interview, you'll hear a lot of it. So certainly I don't want to give it away, but right. his experiences with the types of players that they looked for with the Yankees, the kind of success stories that they had. And I don't think that they're hiding at all. The Marlins at this point, they're just basically point blank uh, trying to kind you know, kind of do what the Yankees do. I mean, that's right. it's in their own way, of course, but he brings up certain names of players that they found more or less off the scrap heap that they were able to turn into regular players, everyday players as early as uh, last last year mm-hmm. as, as in the uh, 2018 season. So um, an interesting interview for sure. And someone that I think the Marlins fans again, will will get to know a little bit as time goes on because there's a major responsibility in, in pro scouting and, and the comfort level that you'll have with, you know, working previously as, as he'll talk about, I mean, he worked with Dan Greenlee, mm. uh, director of player personnel. He worked with Vice President Gary Denbo. And, of course, the relationship has got to be there with Derek Jeter being a former member of the New York Yankees. And so the list just goes on and on. And and uh, if any indication from the Yankee success that the Marlins could mimic that, then, then by all means have at it. So, uh, yeah, we'll have this interview for you. And then if, uh, if anything happens on Wednesday, Jeremy, we'll do a recap uh, Wednesday for the winter meetings once again. So that's kind of the story. Uh, the other team's making a lot of news, but it was good to see the Marlins involved a little bit here in some, in some trade talks, and, and so uh, we were on top of that. Yeah, as crazy as it is, last year with all the hype around JT, there's actually been more Marlins discussion of trades uh, this winter meetings than there even really was last year. So uh, it's nice to have that going on. Obviously, we had that Cole signing with the Yankees. Strasburg with the Nationals and now an interview with Hottie Rod uh, of the Marlins here on Swings and Missions. So uh, Hottie, if if you don't mind, let's kind of uh, take me back to when you uh, made the decision to join the Miami Marlins and kind of how that came about for you. Yeah, I mean, I had a great job with the Yankees. Um, I was director of minor league operations over there and I really enjoyed my time over there. It was, uh, you know, I grew up a Yankee fan, so it was great you know, working for the team that you were uh, growing up rooting for. Um, you know, my passion was lied in pro scouting, and I think the, you know, the Yankees knew that over there. So, you know, it just came about where, you know, the Yankees asked for, per- I mean, the Marlins asked for permission and, uh, you know, asked me to come over to be their pro scouting director and, you know, just kind of went off from there. So it was kind of a little bit unexpected and uh, it happened quick, but, you know, it helps that there's a lot of familiar faces here, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. to expand on that uh, specifically, uh 
Dan Greenlee, Gary Denbo, Derek Jeter, all former members of the Yankees organization. Uh, how much of that impact did that weigh on the decision that you made to leave the Yankees and to come here, and kind of who spearheaded that move for you to come to Miami? Yeah, well, it always makes it easier when you know people here. So, you know, my first you know, few years in player development here, I worked under Gary Denbo. Um, I was actually an intern in 2012 for the Yankees when Gary was a pro scout. So we got, you know, we were close at that time. I went to a few games with him while he was a pro scout and I was an intern. And, you know, being an intern, that's a pretty cool experience going with a pro scout to a uh, professional baseball game. So that was always good. Um, then Dan Greenlee actually was an intern the year after I was an intern. And then we both worked in the in the Tampa office at the same time. So we got close there. So, you know, those two, uh, those two were, you know, I was pretty close with both of them, so it made it a lot easier coming over here with, you know, knowing that these two were over here. And, and since you've you've joined the Marlins, what are some of the things that you've seen uh, maybe take some uh, fans behind the scenes of what your work will be like and what your role will be with the Marlins? Yeah, so it's, it's basically spearheading the pro scouting department. Um, you know, it's going to be making sure we have guys out there that, you know, cover the entire – major league and minor league system you know we're looking for talent you know all over the place we're looking for undervalued talent to help the marlins you know our goal is to build a championship team here and you know we're looking for impact players and you know any way we can get that done it's it's good to get scouts out there and you know we're going to grind the lower levels we're going to grind triple a big leagues i mean we're going to we're going to have scouts all over the ground here so you know we're looking for undervalued players that are going to help the big leagues and you know we're looking for high-end talent group six we're looking for tools we're looking for you know, impact major league players. So however we can get that done, whether it's, you know, through trades, through minor league free agents, through, you know, the rule five draft, I mean, we're going to have all our bases covered. And, you know, at you know, the end of the, the end of the day, it's just about getting good impact players that are going to, that are going to help the major league team. So. And, and what would you say, Hadi, that you take uh, from your experience with the Yankees to the Marlins, some of the things that you've learned, whether it was with the guys who are here now or the current regime that's with the Yankees? Yeah, so, I mean, the Yankees have a great team. They have great players, and, you know, I think it starts with they have all their players have big tools, you know. So whether you talk about Aaron Judge or Luis Severino or Gary Sanchez, those are all guys that are identified, you know, drafted or signed internationally, but they have big tools and they develop the right way, and that's, you know, that's what we're looking for here first and foremost here. We're looking for guys that are have impact tools that we can develop into championship caliber players. So that's that's the end goal here. I mean, they also do a great job, whether it's getting guys like Luke Voigt or Mike Talkman or Gio Urshela. I mean, those guys were kind of, you know, passed over by other organizations or maybe overlooked by other teams. And, you know, it's, you know, through good scouting and good analytics, they come over to the Yankees and they have great seasons. I mean, that's going to be something we're going to try and do also. Yeah, I'd like to follow up on that because I think that's a great point and something that in the past perhaps the Marlins were lacking is finding some of those, as you would say, like diamond in the rough type players who didn't necessarily make it with other organizations. And you mentioned it, the sustainability is not always easy in baseball. The Yankees had a ton of injuries last year. You mentioned all the players that did come in and fill major roles. How do you accomplish that? Is that, is that just as simple as you take the role over and it becomes your responsibility? Or is it the team that you work with and changing some of the things within the Marlins organization? I mean, I honestly think it's a collaborative effort. So, I mean, I don't think any one person in the Yankees organization can take any credit for those guys. I think it was a team effort over there, just like it's going to be a team effort over here. You know, whether it's Dan Greenlee in the analytics department or, you know, anybody in the front office, you know, anybody can identify somebody, whether they think it's through the numbers, through scouting, you know, there's a number of different ways that, 
you can identify guys that are being overlooked. I mean, the numbers are going to tell you one thing. Maybe a scout's eye is going to tell you another thing. And, you know, maybe somebody sees more potential in there that, you know, a guy hasn't reached his full potential. And you think, hey, there's more in there. The numbers are going to pop after he makes this adjustment or, or this change to his swing or mechanics that you're going to be able to get his full potential doing, you know, just acquiring this player and making a slight change here and there. And maybe, you know, the player wasn't comfortable in his environment you know it could be as simple as that I mean there's a number of different ways that you can identify guys that are that are not that aren't playing to their full potential that that have something that have some factor that's going to get them over the hump but but in your role that you have you'll I don't know if you'll be known for something but there's got to be in terms of the job that you have the role that you have something that speaks louder to you perhaps in traits than other things if that if you kind of you know get where I'm going with it and what are some of the things that you mentioned that you would specifically be looking for in a player whether it was with the Yankees or now with the Marlins yeah I mean I don't think it's I don't think there's one thing you can say you know I think we're look I'm especially me I'm looking at all different avenues you know they like I said guys can get identified for different things you know obviously you know the types of players that we like are athletic players with big tools like I mentioned before Um, you know those are the type of guys we're looking for but, you know, guys can get identified for anything, I think. So you can get identified. There can be a guy analytically that does something different than everybody else that we think, you know, hey, this guy's got a chance to pop. He's very different. And we send a scout in there and a the scout agrees. He thinks the same thing. I mean, I, I don't think there's one. I don't think there's one type of player that we like. I, th- I just think, you know, obviously we like athletic players, but you know, they come in all shapes and sizes and different forms. So it's it's tough to narrow it down to just one or two things here. Now, Heidi, the one thing that the Marlins organization under the new uh, ownership and leadership of, of Marlins CEO Derek Jeter has been known for is, at least to some degree, a lot of different people in the organization have been able to have a voice and share their voice, uh, at least in the early part of the time that you've joined the Marlins uh, what are some of those things that you've noticed in terms of maybe for yourself having a voice on different things? Have you been able to share your opinions on m- specific players, whether it's via trade, free agency, or things that you saw when you were with the Yankees that you're able to now take to the Marlins? Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone here has been great, you know, fantastic, whether it's Michael Hill or Brian Chadden or Gary Denbo. Um, you know, everyone has a voice in the room. If you're in the, if you're in the room, you're going to have a voice. And if you have a good idea, if anyone has a good idea, you know, it's going to be heard and it's, you know, we're going to explore that idea. So it's not like, you know, it's been, it's been great over here. You know, I couldn't ask for anything more. It's if you have, if anyone has a good idea, they can speak their mind and nobody's going to get judged for it. And it's just a good environment to work in. All right. And I'll end with this. Uh, so far, the biggest thing that you've noticed that perhaps caught you by surprise since joining the organization uh, just in any way that since you've come over, something that you've noticed that maybe that was unexpected to you. Maybe there is nothing, but I'll throw it out there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the, the prospects we have in our system are really, really high-end, really good players. And I came from a system where uh, the Yankees had a lot of deep prospects when you had Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez, Severino, and all these types of guys that are coming up through the system. You know, this reminds me of a lot of those days where we were really deep with the Yankees over there, and it's it's looking like the same thing over here, which is, you know, from the outside looking in, you know there you know some of the names, but then you kind of go deeper into the system and you see a lot of talent with a lot of high end potential and, you know, big ceilings. So it's it's exciting to see. It reminds me of a lot of the old Yankee days.